Welcome to the Mary's Mentors Podcast. My name is Mary Rose Swan. And I'm Mary Letitia Deal. And this is a podcast about business, life, human design, and whatever the fuck we want. (laughs) You know that we've been talking a lot about human design, and uh, Mary and I are going to have a nine-part series on human design centers. Um, going through all of the nine centers. So we wanted to tell you a little bit about centers. Right. We wanted to give a quick little 101 on what human design centers are. We've both been doing so much reading and research lately about human design. It's pretty fascinating when you get to sit down with a book and just read through it like you're back in back in high school with the textbook. I know nobody was really excited to read textbooks, but I'm one of the nerds that always loved the smell of a good textbook. So why do we want to talk about human design centers? Well, mainly because the centers are what determine our energy type, which Mary is a generator, I am a projector, um, but it also determines our authority, which is our inner decision-making system. So they are very important in a categorical way in making sure that we know a lot more about the similarities between the different energy types based on their definition. Yes, and what is a center? Um, It's one of the nine shapes inside your body graph. So they all kind of look like little triangles um, and each of them governs um, the areas of the body as well as different areas in your life. And um, they will either have a color in them or be white. And that's letting us know if they're open or defined. So how do centers become defined? Well, this is actually what I found out recently was super interesting. The, The definition in our chart is based on active channels between two centers. So if you have two little pieces of the puzzle that, that happen to create one thoroughfare, if you will, one through way between two, that is what will make you have active definition on the landing, the landing pads, if you will, of those two pieces of definition. So if there's not a completion between two different centers, meaning if it's kind of broken, if you will, um, you won't define that that specific center. They have to connect. And you can tell. You'll be able to tell in your chart when they connect because, again, your centers will be defined. Yeah. And if they're defined versus open, like I just said, they're going to be yellow, green, brown, or red. Um, if they're defined, if they're open, they're just a white uh, little triangle or shape there. So we wanted to really kind of at least give you a very limited background on what these mean, because obviously we don't want anyone to be kind of scratching their head throughout, confused on what we're talking about. Um, So if you have any questions about definition, how do you tell if yours is defined or not, you would go to your chart by running a a chart at mybodygraph.com, jovianarchive.com, or geneticmatrix.com. All right. So enjoy this series about the human design centers. Thank you. 
Well, good morning, Mary. How, how have you been? Good. How have you been? <laughs> I've been pretty darn good as well. Um, you know, time marches on. Summer is halfway over. Uh, starting to think about things like back to school, <laughs> back to school and getting my kids there. You know, my son's going to be in sixth grade, so I got to make appointments to get, you know, shots and all of the good stuff. So that's already on my mind and July isn't even over yet. Oh. Crazy how fast it goes. And it yeah, I was in a store the other day and I'm like, oh, it is back to school already. Like people are already like the clothes are out. The things are starting to. No shit. We're almost into Halloween season. It's not even August. <laughs> and I think Halloween is right around the corner. corner. Uh, so have you been reading or watching or listening to anything this last week or two? I have been taking Oprah's advice and sitting in silence. I have not really gotten up to date on anything, but I saw what you did because I cannot resist that podcast. <laughs> and this was so good. So it was good. so good. Tell mama all. I gasped. I, I cried. Oh, it's so good. So I saw what you did podcast. We love you, Danielle and Millie. And um, I'm so excited for the next one when they announce the movies. Did you hear the movies? Yes. Well, as soon as they announce the movies, I have to go watch the trailer and see if I've seen it or not. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that I have seen either of those movies. Oh, my goodness. I have seen both. And I've been telling my husband I want to watch Dante's Peak like for months because it's just it's such a... I hate to say campy because the intention was not that it would be a campy movie, but it also has um, Linda Hamilton from Terminator 2 mm -hmm. and Pierce Brosnan. Um, but I'm not going to spoil it. I, I mean, if you haven't seen Dante's Peak, it's like from 1990 something, 96. I can't remember. It's one of those, like, I feel like, I, I feel like I've seen parts of it, but I just can't remember the end. So I don't know if I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen the whole thing. And I know yeah. I haven't seen Joe versus the Volcano. <sighs> and that shit looks so funny. I loved it. Well, like Joe versus the volcano is one of those movies I watched so much as a kid with my sister. We actually last year, um, during pandemic, we, Oh, you might even hear my little puppy. She's sleeping and making little yipping noises. So that <laughs> we don't edit any of our sound out y'all, unless it's at the very beginning. So you get to hear every nook and cranny of our lives, including when our puppies are sleeping or barking. Um, but we watched it, we kind of tele-watched it. So we both started it about the same time. And then we watched it just on, we were like on zoom and sat and watched Joe versus the volcano. But of course, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, when you, they have a holy Trinity of movies, mm -hmm. sleepless in Seattle, you've got mail, but Joe versus the volcano is really the one that I love the most out of all of them. And it's the one I've, I, I'm so excited. I, I, I obviously the theme would be volcanoes would be the obvious theme, but I think that there's something deeper going deeper. on. Um, I can't wait Life to hear what it's floating it. around us. <laughs> exactly. It's so, oh, it's just, and it's so funny. Like that's the, the thing about Joe versus the volcano is it is a comedy. It's not like a, a dramedy kind of the way that um, sleepless in Seattle was. There were funny parts of that, but it was definitely more drama. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know how I, I've like, I knew about the other two Meg Ryan 
uh, Tom Hanks movies, but I don't know how this one has totally escaped me. I had never even heard of it, literally, when I went to watch the trailer. I'm like, what is this? How have I never seen this? Because because it's a comedy versus a romance. I think that we tend to really, as, as women, we really lean into romance a little bit more than we lean into just a regular comedy. Like, if I were to say some of my favorite movies, most of them aren't necessarily, well, mine would be comedies because it'd be like, <laughs> Clue is one, and that's obviously a comedy. Um, even the drama in that is is comedic drama. So, but it's I'm so excited for next week to hear what they say. Um, I have been listening to. I, I kind of got turned on to a new podcast because of Mission Zach, my Leguizamo Rama podcast. I love so much. They had a guest on to talk about a a, a supercut of Super Mario Brothers. And he talked about his podcast, which he has several. One of them is called Mike Check. His name is Alexi Taliopoulos. Mike Check is all Mike Myers movies where they go and they watch every Mike Myers movie ever, which I haven't listened to any yet, but I love So I Married an Axe Murderer. So that's where I'm going to start. But I love all Mike Myers movies. So again, I'm, I'm excited for this. But the other one that they have is called Total Reboot. So they watch a movie like the first two episodes are Tomb Raider, the original Tomb Raider with Angelina Jolie. And then they do the Tomb Raider remake. And it's just a couple guys and they're Australian and they are talking about films. And, you know, I think that that's my, one of my favorite things is a duo talking about movies is hilarious. And these are like, I think a couple of straight guys. So, you know, they're, I like that they're like, we kind of like this first one because it's horny, you know, Angelina Jolie, horny Angelina. It's just, it made me laugh a lot. Um, so that's kind of what I got into was total reboot. And I'm, I'm going to dip my toe into mic check, but I just haven't quite yet. I think I, I've heard a, a, a commercial or something for this total reboot. And I thought that that would be good because I am all about the, why did they do this again? Like what uh-huh. happened? <laughs> the, the, like Jumanji where they did they're going to talk about that's the next episode I'm really excited because I love the original Jumanji with Robin Williams it's mm-hmm. like it's the one. best yeah it's the best and then they did the reboot and I'm not going to say I didn't watch it and that it wasn't entertaining but it was definitely not on that same level I thought that the first Jumanji was so clever and so interesting and um and of course at the time the CGI of all of these animals and stuff was really pretty incredible. So that's a, that's a good one too. All right. Well, that's our uh, suggestions corner. We are going to get into it today. We are rounding out our um, centers series. This is our final center that we are discussing today. Which center are we going to talk about? We are talking about the root center today. Um, which I believe is one of the two pressure centers. Um, the root center and the head center are both of our pressure centers. Am I right there? Yep. So um, that was interesting. This was a really interesting one to read about and to really process. Um, so our root pressure provides adrenaline um, or drive to survive. So the momentum for moving life forward Uh, This fuel is a potent energy which is sent on to and further refined by the splenic, solar plexus, and sacral centers on its way to the throat where it can be communicated or acted upon. Um, 
Exactly. And I think that, you know, we think of adrenaline and, you know, that rush of getting shit done feeling of adrenaline or just even like um, stress. I feel like that is kind of like we, we kind of that that correlation between stress and adrenaline and when our body feels stress that it does then release you know adrenaline as well as other things you know cortisol i haven't even looked to see if cortisol is part of like an adrenal hormone system or not that would be kind of an interesting sidebar to, to check into but um yeah i think that probably it is my guess would be is that because this is a, a stress center that cortisol is one of the things that get re gets released when we are feeling stress or pressure and really until i started reading this i, I mean i felt real dumb like why wasn't i correlating those two things as being the same um adrenaline like the, the the adrenaline junkie side of my brain versus the stress side of my brain and how my body actually does react kind of the same to both. Mm -hmm. and so I, I really hadn't put that correlation together until reading about this center and really about how we are, are dealing with that. And one thing that I want to like, we'll, we'll kind of swing back around to this is what the release, that release of pressure, what that, you know, how that feels and maybe that mechanism we can talk about a little bit, but um I am a defined root and Mary is an open root. So we, uh, this is again, I love the episodes or the centers where we are opposite because we bring our, our own interpretation to the table, but then we also get a better understanding of the opposite because I feel like that's where it's very difficult when we, we, we have our own experience to kind of understand it from the other perspective and that, but, understanding from the other perspective is how we practice compassion for the other the other side of it do you want to do you want to start or do you want me to start i'll let you start with the undefined or the defined sorry okay well um so definition a defined root center you know a lot of the time those with a defined root are confident in knowing when enough is enough and taking rest and recharging as needed. Um, but like being in the eye of the storm, they know how to balance the pressure and bursts of adrenaline, use it and move on. And this is sometimes inherent. I feel like I have always been someone that, especially when I have a deadline, I can be very deadline oriented. And when someone gives me open-ended, like this task needs to be done and but no deadline to it, <laughs> I don't feel pressure to get it done. I don't. And so therefore it really is something that when a deadline is placed, that is what gives me my, um, that is where the pressure to then complete that gets on. And I, I kind of need that to some degree. Otherwise, like a, I feel like procrastination is also part of the puzzle with a, with a defined center or defined root um, is that without a deadline, we tend to procrastinate. Um, or even with a deadline, we tend to procrastinate until we are about to reach the deadline. So it is possible for those with a defined root to succumb to the not stress or the not self stress. Um, if the pressure they feel is not guided by strategy or authority, they can become obsessive. They can attempt to initiate to relieve the pressure. 
Um, and when you're initiating from the pressure of your defined root, um, it creates more resistance and therefore more stress. So when you think that what you're doing by initiating is going to relieve the pressure, inevitably you end up actually creating more stress for yourself because for myself, if I'm not invited, but I'm like, Ooh, I need to get this out into the world and I'm not going to wait for people to ask for it. Then I put the work in, I get it out there and then there's no response. And that for me is resistance. Like having someone not respond to what I'm trying to give them when it's uninvited creates resistance and therefore bitterness for me. So when a defined root is feeling this resistant pressure, they tend to project unreasonable expectations onto those around them. Um, you know, I feel like this is the, the, the easiest way to do this is like, or to explain it can be when guests are coming. You know, we have guests coming, we haven't cleaned, we need to clean. And then because I'm feeling the pressure to, to get things done, I then start expecting everyone else to be on the same timetable as I am and to give the same level of um, work that I'm, that I'm putting in. So, and it's always, and this inevitably always seems to be kind of a, a thing between my husband and I is that we're never in the mood to clean at the same time just it's just a weird thing that I've noticed like when he's in the mood he's usually annoyed because everything has gotten to the point that he feels that now he finally has to step in and start doing some things for himself but when I'm like vacuuming while he's playing video games and huffing and puffing around nobody responds um and one of the things I looked through in all of the charts in my family is that um sad is undefined in his root but both of my children are defined in their root as well as I am. So that's, I, I'm really kind of enjoying looking at these things and saying, okay, so my kids now, when I give them a deadline and say, this needs to be done by that deadline, that I, I'm now kind of seeing that that is more in line with their own design. And it gives them a little bit more of a, I try to be realistic with those deadlines too, is I'm like, my desire is that it be done now. I want it done now, start doing it now. And I've had to back off of that and say, listen, I realize you're doing something else right now. I need this to get done and I want it done today. So if you wait and put it off, then I'm probably going to be bitching at you again about this later. If you take this, this piece that I'm asking you to do and prioritize it so you can get it done as quickly as possible, then the pressure is off. Like I want the pressure that they feel to kind of be relieved for them as quickly as possible. So I try to give them a little bit more deadline orientation as well as understanding that just because I want it done right now, if I want it done right now, I probably just need to fucking do it myself. <laughs> As a mom, that's, yeah, that's one of those lessons. Like if it had, yeah. And don't but, be bitter about it. Don't be bitter about it. If you, if you want it done, do it yourself and don't be a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. That bitterness is hard though. Sometimes <laughs> it's true. I found out that all three of my children are defined roots. So all three of those little suckers um, have pressurized me almost to death. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I made up 
forcing you to be like mom. And that's, yeah, it is kind of interesting when you realize that the, that their, their definition has been ganging up on you their whole lives. Yeah. That's kind of the way I felt once I realized that they were all three defined words. I knew Trevor was like, just by reading just the first couple sections that I read. And when I really read about when a defined and undefined, um, you know, root center work together, live together and how that pressure builds. And I knew immediately, I was like, my son has a defined root center. And I went and looked, I was like, sure as hell. And then so do both my daughters, um, which for an open root mom. Now I, I do comprehend a little bit more of how, how I intake that pressure and have for a really long time. So, um, 40% of the population is undefined. So I, I was like, I don't know if I mentioned that it was 60% 60, of the population is defined. 60, I meant to say that. 40. That's all right. Um, so, so it is a little bit less of the population that is uh, open. Open root centers sometimes feel like they're under pressure to get things done, all things before taking any time to relax and recharge. And um, in a hurry, in a hurry to get that pressure away. But at the same time, like the pressure never really goes away. I feel like if depending on what, what you're, what you're doing, open routes tend to be in a hurry and rush to get work done. Um, sometimes this means skipping steps or missing something in the process. Uh, but nevertheless, they are going to get more work pushed in their direction due to the facade of getting more done. And I, I mean, I resonated with this very deeply. <laughs> um, I do have to say that they really do mention manifesting generators a couple times in the books when they talk about skipping steps, like because generators and manifesting generators are our work. And so I, I have a feeling that a lot of them have this undefined pressure. Um, but ultimately, I not only myself, but I watched other individuals who had the same type I mean, I guess I always called it a work ethic, but now I do really feel this <laughs> pressure. It is a pressure to get things done. And I felt specifically at EBMS, watching people get more shit put on their plate over and over again because of the facade that they were getting more done. And it, and it really is not necessarily getting done without rework needing to happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... Mm -hmm. It, it's one of those things that really, really resonated with me in, in that work life that I experienced for 10 years was the, 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 the facade of getting more done. Therefore more got put on my plate and I watched it happen to other people. People rise through what they thought was the ranks at the time, <laughs> but in reality, it was literally just more, more work pushed their way because it seemed like they were getting more work done. But the quality of the work was not, you know, that's the thing is that uh, I agree. I completely agree. And I feel like when you said that about manifesting generators and knowing that that is, my husband is a manifesting generator, um, that that is something that I, I definitely identify with. And especially when we talk about like your next point, I think is when I'll have some insight into what I witness from other people. But I think that also because I've had a defined route and because I am so deadline driven and I know, okay, well, this needs to be turned around by this time in this date, you know, that, that has given me some structure and saying, if it doesn't need to be done, 
I don't feel the pressure to do it. So that is the other thing about when people wouldn't give me deadlines is if it, if there wasn't a deadline there, then I did not feel it, 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 you know, there has to be a deadline attached to it in order for me to feel that it's necessary to do it. That's, I feel like my definition coming through a little bit there too. Absolutely. And on the other hand with me, whether or not there's deadlines, I feel the pressure to get it all done, period, mm -hmm. all the all of the time. And in my current work life, I really feel like I've had to say, okay, give yourself some deadlines because there are things that are more important and more deadline driven than other things. Because otherwise I want to spin in circles. I feel like I do that in my office, spin in circles from one task to another, not really knowing which one I should be concentrating on. Oh, prioritizing. Yeah. I feel like another big piece of this. Good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So open uh, root centers may become adrenaline junkies or stress junkies, depending on who they are spending their time around and what pressures they are feeling from those energies. And not always the who, but the what, like what you're spending your time around. Uh, Mary said something that resonated with me the other day because I really, really expected that my other partner was a defined root center too, but it's not the truth. He is actually an open root center. So where does all my work pressure come from? It is the environment. It is everybody else in that environment that then that environment itself becomes that pressure, not necessarily the energy of individuals, but that combined, combined energy of all of the things, all of the time that bring in that pressure energy, which makes sense to me now. And I feel like in this case, that stress junkie, I feel like that's my husband. I feel like he a, is an adrenaline junkie. Like he likes to go do things that get his adrenaline pumping. And I am... <laughs> I am not, which is kind of funny because we talked about this during the spleen um, was that I, I'm my, I, and he is also a defined spleen, but he's an open root is that he's the, the adrenaline junkie and he does follow his intuition and in knowing what's safe and what isn't safe for him. But the piece of that is stress and, and feeling like, I don't know, like not empowered to speak up for them. I feel like open roots don't feel empowered to speak up for themselves when it comes to stress. I feel like that's maybe a piece of that too. Um, and, and I think that also because I am, and you know, all of us in our family, other than my husband is a defined root is that he might see our, our ability to not stress over the you know, not have that same stress junkiness and, almost find it irritating. You know, I feel like that, I mean, like I, and I think Mary might resonate with that too, is that um, finding it irritating when people with their defined roots aren't feeling the same stress all the time. Why don't they feel the same stress all the time? Um, it's, it kind of feels like a little bit of bullshit. <laughs> I would highly agree with all of that. <laughs> <laughs> the stress junkie uh, resonated with me because I've, I've been an adrenaline junkie my whole life. So the fact that those two things are correlating and getting from two different, highly different, like, I feel like when I'm on a kayak going down a really rapid river, even though that's adrenaline and stress on some level, like it's still releasing pressure uh -huh. versus 
when I am at work and, and feeling that constant stress from that environment. So I don't know. I, I just feel like learning more about this particular center for me um, is going to help me deal with the, the stress versus adrenaline that I have been blindly pulling in the stress to really replace that adrenaline. So I'm going to have to find some sort of balance. Well, the very first thing, like up in the, uh, the top of this page, pressure equals fuel, stress equals fuel. You've been using stress to fuel, like, it, but it's, it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, I, I use this in comparison when I talk about nutrition. It's like the difference between throwing a, a piece of hardwood on a fire and the and throwing a piece of cardboard on the fire. And in your case, I think that that stress is almost like throwing a, a something soaked in lighter fluid onto the fire, and you get the big fireball that comes up. Um, and that's I feel like that it, it is a fuel. And it's hard when we recognize that we've been fueling ourselves with something that's also not making us feel good. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yep. So some open road centers can fill feed off the energy and become great performers. Others will get stage fright or other forms of anxiety. Um, which, I mean, I, I get that there's been times where I've been both of those things where I've, been able to be in front of people and just pull off their energy and and I mean as a trainer hit every note make sure that I mean people really really did constantly tell me how good of a trainer I was when I had that energy flowing mm -hmm. um, but the the anxiety now of like even just it's it has to do with the energy of what's going on mm -hmm. so the energy of what's happening um, if open root centers, uh, continuously get wrapped up in other stresses, they will wear out their adrenal glands. Uh, meditation and mindfulness are important pieces of having a peaceful existence. So, um, listened to a podcast a couple weeks ago, shared it with Mary and it was, it had Oprah on it because she's oh, Oprah, she's the queen. <laughs> um, and you know, it really resonated with me. I actually went back and listened to part of it again this week. Um, of her sitting in silence and not necessarily meditation, but literally mm -hmm. just sitting in silence with what's, and after reading through the books this week, um, I really wasn't prepared to, to record right away because I really felt like I needed to sit in silence and maybe it's not always silence. Binarial beats is still mm -hmm. something that really works as background. Cause I have a hard, that's what I found out this week. I have a very hard time with just silence. If I'm outside, it's different because it's not silent, right? I know. I feel like exactly the birds and the trees rustling with the wind. And there's just all these elements of good energy. So when I'm inside and it's too hot to be outside, those binarial beats kind of do something for me as a background noise. But I have been trying to take 25 minutes at a time with that Pomodoro and really sit in silence. Um, trying to alleviate some of the stress that I have been using to fuel myself. Um, and it's interesting. Sitting in silence is interesting. <laughs> I agree. I think that the silence piece um, that in that episode, it was so just for the record, I think we mentioned it a bit previously, but um, wasn't it, sh is it Shattered Glass mm -hmm. um, with Kristen Bell and Monica, is it Padman? Padman. Padman. Um, 
she Monica's Dax's uh, partner on Armchair Expert, and she's great. I really do like Monica. I think that Monica is she's very sharp and she asks really great questions but with oprah i mean she did she had so much to say and i think oprah probably if she knew about human design she if she doesn't already she would probably be like yeah that that makes a lot of sense because what she talked about was the the knowing the deep knowing that we have inside of our body which i thought was like sounded just so we've heard a lot of this in some different podcasts including Poog had one that uh, they were talking about feeling things in their body and body intuition. And um, when Oprah was talking about this, I really did. I find that I have a hard time with meditation, like trying not to think, trying not to do things. And I, so rather than trying not to think, it's like, no, just sitting in silence and really kind of allowing my thoughts to flow, but then also being aware that if I'm really fixating. I've had some great ideas sitting in silence. I really feel like that sitting in silence piece has been super helpful in so many ways, but it, you know, I feel like people, when they're intimidated by meditation, they're like, oh, I can't meditate. I can't meditate. I can't meditate, which has been me for a long time. It's like, can you sit quietly? That's really the majority of what meditation is, is that we we kind of make it a lot grander in our brains than it really has to be. Um, and being aware that when we start really fixating on something, it's okay to just say, okay, release that. And, you know, let's, let's move on to something else. But I mean, a lot of it is, is that I have, we both also, you and I have a defined crown and a defined Ajna. So we don't tend to sit there and, and have a lot of, churn in our brain that doesn't lead us somewhere. I feel like that's the the difference is that some people might have that tendency to fixate and then they just keep going over and over and over the same thing. And um, especially if they have that, that the under the openness up, up on above their throat, but I'm finding the more and more I'm like, you know, a lot of the answers that I have is will come to me if I sit quietly and rely on my deeper intuition and my deepest knowing and not feeling like I have to find the answers. That's another thing about the defined route is really feeling like you can't walk away from something until you have what you need out of it. But I do also think that because I am so mindful of my need for rest and my need for breaks and my need for doing all those things, like some of my favorite things about being in a work environment have been my ability to take a deadline and take a task and get it done. I, you know, and being able to say this task is done sometimes before the deadline, sometimes right at the deadline. Um, but it's really difficult in environments where the work is never done to do that. And I feel like that's also a piece of, 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 of it for you is that every day it's groundhog's day and that's the same way it is in a lot of businesses is that you can get all the work done for one day and you walk in the next day and guess what groundhog's day you're gonna do it all over again yeah and there's no there's no i found that too with a lot of people is that ongoing work ongoing work with no like it's not like you make something and then you finish and you have a completed piece and then you're like an artist would be like I finished this painting this painting is done I can now sell the painting I start a new painting um it's like 
it's like somebody came in and took part of the, like every night someone takes a strip of your painting off. So you have to redo it. And then you go back and the next day, somebody's taking a whole strip of your painting off and you have to redo it. And then just that constantness. So I feel like a lot of it is finding those hobbies and those things within your life that are not work related that do give you a sense of completion that help you relieve the pressure, whether it's puzzles or, you know, um, games or cross stitch or, you know, any of those things where you can kind of put things into a place where you have a, a final, final piece of something um, can be helpful. Florist worked for me. Yeah. Cause you're, you finished an arrangement and I was done. I would move on to something else and it was always something new. I was trying to think like, why did you, why did you hate that profession by the time that you were done so badly? Because I really did every profession by the time that I've left it, I've really had a, a strong distaste for it. Yeah. So what did you come up with any? That one was holidays. So I didn't get to celebrate any holidays, Valentine's day, mother's day, my birthday. I was working the 48 hours before pretty much nonstop. And then, you know, then you'd have a rest time afterwards, but the day-to-day work of being a florist was fabulous. Like the only other time that the, it was only the holidays, but it was every holiday Christmas. Um, Christmas was a big one. Like I didn't have any time to prepare anything for Christmas because I was in the shop working my ass off. For and I, I'm just like, I'm such a non-flower person. And I'm like, who get, who gets, you buy a poinsettia. Do you have to arrange a poinsettia for Christmas? But Oh, I, yeah, but there's so many things. Yeah, I used to just do table runner, like candelabra sets for all the rich people in Missoula, like for two weeks, three weeks before Christmas, you know, we'd, we'd do pine, a lot of pine, like a lot of green, candles yeah. and yeah, lots of lots of red and green. <laughs> yeah. so, so really it was, it was those holidays over and over again. After about four years, I was totally burnt out of being able to do that I, four or five years. I, I mean, it really, by the end I was done spent, you know, birthdays putting together bitchy brides flowers and happening mm-hmm, at you know ridiculous churches that had spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on weddings that I mean that that's where where I really like spent my last yeah. I was like you people were fucking stupid yeah <laughs> I have a hard time with wedding I feel like I would be the exact same way is like when you don't believe like I feel like a florist really has to love that wedding culture to be able to be um, yeah, exactly. And I'm not into the wedding I'm culture. In fact, I think it's it fucking disgusting how yeah. much people pay to just legally bind themselves to another human being, especially because we know what divorce rates are like. It's like, I really, you're spend this much money? The pressure, the pressure on these people to do that. So just because Serena's wedding is coming up and, and we're, we're dealing with that, like this, this woman wanted to start out with something simple and nice you know she likes things elegant blah 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 but like as it rolls on more and more and more money gets spent on it and more and more things get added and I'm like that's society telling you you need to do that shit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you want to do so 
I don't know. It, <sighs> it, it, it's such a societal thing that blows my, my mind. I'm so anti-wedding anti culture. My dress was $99 on eBay. I got married in my mom's friend Sally's yard of the place that she worked, which was like a residential home for people. But it was out between Laurel and Billings on a little road. And it was lovely. It was like I didn't invite any of the family to the wedding. I'm such a dick sometimes, but I didn't invite like my aunts and uncles to the ceremony. They were invited to the reception. My reception, because I'm I am a small town Montana girl, and I was raised in VFW halls, going to weddings and funerals at, at VFW halls. And so we had our reception at the VFW hall here in the Heights. I pass by it every time we go to Pizza Ranch, and. Um, they don't have tap beer. It's just all bottles and cans, no taps. And, um, yeah, I mean, all together, my mom made beans. We had just a little pot, you know, kind of almost like potluck style buffet. Um, there was already a band playing because it was Labor Day weekend when I got married. So I didn't pay for a band. There was just a guy with a steel, like a steel guitar or a slide guitar and a, and a keyboardist and they played music all night and it was amazing. But my wedding probably altogether cost less than two thousand dollars. Oh yeah, like my first wedding cost less than probably a thousand dollars altogether. Mm -hmm. like I don't even I, think I hit a thousand to be my, perfect. My grandma made my dress because I was still breastfeeding my daughter, so it needed to be you know useful in that manner. I had to get in and out of it yeah, while I was yeah. breastfeeding. <laughs> um, and it was nothing fancy, but it was made with some silk that had been in her in her you know craft things since she made sh uh, shirts for my cousins back in the in the early 80s so it was this beautiful pink silk that she bought another thing to go over and it was it was lovely um I just had a baby so you know I wasn't like shapely or anything but my grandma made my dress it cost me nothing um I made my own cakes and did my own flowers it cost my me mom and dad made my cake fifty dollars all together yeah. my mom dad <laughs> um, it was a lemon on the top tier. Oh God, lemon. Why would you make the top tier lemon? Gross. Terrible. <laughs> I like lemon and, cake. And I totally didn't. Yeah, I didn't. My every, it was, everybody brought a, my mom spent probably $500 on alcohol, oh. which, you know what I mean? She just brought it because we all, we did it all in my backyard. My, um, all of my lilacs were blooming. So that was our background. Um, all the family came, everybody brought a, a dish. So it was a potluck. Um, literally the only thing I spent money on was my cake and my flowers. And then my mom bought the alcohol. So it, we were still under, like I said, under a thousand bucks. Yes. I just don't believe in it. <laughs> I think the, the VFW hall cost was a little bit more because I think they gave us like a bunch of tickets, drink mm -hmm. tickets. And, um, yeah, so again, I feel like it's been like $800. So we might've been like right at about a thousand too. And that, but guess what? I have great memories of my wedding. I have, um, well, I mean, besides getting wasted, um, we have great memories of getting married and it was, it was lovely. Like, again, we put in like that pressure, that pressure that we feel that it has to be big and you have to have a planner and you have to, you know, have like bright, like tons of bridesmaids and everything. It's like, no, I really wanted it to be as low key for people as possible. My sister wore a beautiful dress. I still have my flowers because we used just artificial flowers for 
my wedding bouquet. So I still have my wedding bouquet. I actually have my, my wedding dress. Um, I, my, we found it in the closet and I got it out and I let my daughter and her friend try it on. And then I put it on and it's not, I can't quite zip it up, but I feel like my rib cage probably got just a little bit more expansive from having had two babies inside me. <laughs> and it was a tight fit when I got married as well. So, um, yeah, but yeah, all this, all of this pressure that we feel to create this experience also is like, is it useful? And is, is it worth stress? Like I wasn't stressed about my wedding. I, in fact, I was like, my mom could pretty much do all of it for me because I just wasn't really that interested. I wanted to party. I mean, that's, the, I wanted to party. I wanted to have a party. I wanted some gifts. I didn't even send thank you notes. Honestly, that's my dirty secret is I didn't send thank you notes for anything. I am a chronic, not thank you. I I've never sent thank you notes out for anything, maybe ever. I mean, my kids' graduations, none of it. Yeah. I even bought thank you cards for Trevor's and I set them all out for him with all of the things that he had got and said, here, you can fill these out. And of course they never got done. They never got done. I didn't even bother with the other two. I'm like, you want to tell these people, thank you. You have a, you have a way to do that. I don't need to. Well, another thing about society pressuring us that we have to do something because it's always been done and that if you don't do it, then you must be ungrateful. And um, that's kind of, I feel like dying out with the old guard. I feel like as we are seeing the end of certain generations, that it's just not at the forefront. I really feel like I would rather know that someone like, I don't expect a thank you. In fact, I, I kind of just, you know, the thank you to me is using what I gave you. If it's use, and that's why I really try to give useful gifts or guess what? I also just don't give gifts at all. Like your kids, when they graduated, didn't get shit for me, even though I came to the graduation parties. Um, and I do this with most things now is like, um, the expectations for what is polite, I think are changing. And if they're not changing fast enough for me, I just don't observe them. Yeah, that's the way I feel. There's only <laughs> one that I gave a graduation gift to besides my own. And with, with my own, I mean, they just, they got stuff to move the fuck out and none of them have. So it's ever Trevor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So I'm glad that we did. I mean, yeah, this being the, the last of the centers, it really was kind of the one that um, I feel there was a lot of, of, for me, I don't, I guess I just, I kind of identified what makes me work a little bit better for myself. Um, but I know that you, because you were like, oh, I'm finding a lot with this that I'm just having to dig through and kind of sort through. So I guess just ending on the the notes of kind of what we we hope most people would gain from from this. Um, what did you really feel you're gonna your takeaway your biggest takeaway is? So I feel like my biggest takeaway is to really observe where the pressure is coming from and if that pressure is stress um, and and being able to really file it away as actual pressure that I need to listen to and get things done or just constant pressure that I need to ignore. There is going to be pressures that I'm going to have to ignore even though I'm reading it. Um, and I feel like that's really what I've dug through this week is really trying to figure out where the pressure is coming from. Mm -hmm around me and 
interpreting that as actual true things that I should be putting a deadline on, getting some things done, or that I'm going to have to ignore because it's going to be constant. So, yeah. And like, I think that's a good point is do I need, you know, it, does this require a deadline is a great question. If the, is this important enough to require a deadline? Um, and like that prioritizing, we mentioned that a little bit was like, where does this lie in the, in the scheme of priorities? Do I, is this a priority for me now? Um, is this something that I can put off? And then like, really, I feel like that's also organization is another piece of this, that if we don't have the systems in place to keep our shit organized so that we know, okay, you know, this is pressure I feel that for something that I don't necessarily need to do right away, how do I make sure that I still keep it on the horizon without letting it give me pressure this week? If it means that like you have to set some kind of reminders for the following week to say, okay, before this, before it becomes an issue that has to be deadline driven, do I need to put this back onto my, um, my plate but at a different time. And I feel like that's, if every person is going to be different about it. Every person's experience with open or definition in their route is going to be different. Because like I said, I feel a lot of pressure sometimes too, to initiate because things aren't moving fast enough. And so my, my need to initiate then like creates resistance. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that about myself. But now that I see more and more historically, especially with my beach body stuff is, you know, I can, I, I can self-recognize and self-invite, but then this desire to like initiate things that I, that I feel need to be done. I I'm, I'm much more aware of, is this me initiating and will it create resistance? And do I really want to feel that bitterness or do I need to maybe, ask before initiating would anyone would this be of interest to people you know before i proceed into initiating in this does anybody even want it i think that's a really big question for myself is asking more questions around does anyone want this i'm not going to offer it if nobody wants it and that really that i think has been very helpful because it saves me a lot of energy and bitterness i've had a lot of things where i'm like i'd love to do this i'd love to you know, whether it's book clubs that I want to run, all of these different things. And it's like, I sometimes say, I would love to join a book club. I'd love somebody else to run it. I don't want to initiate the book club, but I would love to be invited to come join one. And and kind of relying on other people to say, if you feel invited to run a book club, go for it. And I'm speaking specifically about one of my girls in my group, who's who's also a projector. And she is great at when I say I don't want to do something, I'll put it out. And that becomes the invitation to someone else to say, oh, I feel invited to then step in for this person because they expressed a desire, but maybe no motivation to do that. Nice. Well, that was a great takeaway. All right. Huh? I said, did you have anything else to add? No, I think we probably added way more than we even needed to. (laughs) (laughs) After our wedding, our big our wedding tangent <laughs> movie tangent at the beginning wedding at the end i know it's the best though i love our tangent. <laughs> i do too all right well thanks for joining us we hope you all have a great day bye bye
Thanks so much for tuning in. We so appreciate you listening. We wanted to let you know that we will be freshening things up a bit. We will be changing our name. We will be changing our graphics, but we will not be changing the focus of this podcast. So please continue to tune in. Please join us on this journey towards a new focus and a new vision. And we so enjoy coming to you each week with a new episode, and we will be continuing to do so in the future. Bye!